Hey, Christ the Redeemer family and whoever else might be watching, it's Father Chris Culpepper, the rector here at Christ the Redeemer Anglican Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And we are continuing this year's study that we're calling Back to the Basics, this section of the study where we're studying the Bible using the book uh, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible as a supplementary text to help us work our way through the basic narrative of Scripture. And we have videos that cover the previous chapters. Uh, this week we're covering the chapter that is on uh, the Judges era. <clears throat> and as is my custom now, I'll give us a review of last week's material. Uh, I'll pause and give you an opportunity to do this week's material, and then I'll come back with some supplementary comments afterward. So as we take up our review of last week, last week we were exploring what we called or what, the, what is known as the Conquest Era, how uh, the man Joshua led the Israelites into the Promised Land and how the 12 tribes of Israel settled in that Promised Land, the land we know today as Israel. And through the conquest, we, we observed how we saw the first major uh, culmination, so to speak, of covenant theology. Um, we remember the five principles, and I'll articulate them him, uh, here. God's presence, uh, we saw how God was present with his people through that conquest. Uh, secondly, the people, we saw how God was forming his people into the nation called Israel. Thirdly, the property. They have now inhabited the property that he said they would have, the property that he told Abraham about when he called Abraham from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans into the land uh, formerly known as Canaan. Fourthly, the progeny, um, as, as the covenant promise was that Abraham's descendants would outnumber the stars. Um, God's uh, or Abraham's progeny are beginning to populate the land of Israel. And fifthly, God's promises. All of these things working together are fulfilling the promises that God is making through his covenants that he is establishing. Another thing that we acknowledged is where we are in the canon of Scripture. We talked about how the first five books of the Bible are called the Pentateuch. These books primarily deal with the, the law, the divine law, God's revealed law. And these books are also, as we talked about, considered prehistorical. Um, that is to say they're not ahistorical, they're not without history, of course, but prehistorical pre in the sense that they are um, in the time that is before the recorded history of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament as we talk about it. And the other thing we talked about is that now uh, we are transitioning through the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, into the historical books, Joshua being that transitional book into the historical narrative that time that specifically deals with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And so now we're up to our next book that we call Judges, and, and we'll be talking specifically about Judges, but the time period that we're talking about kind of covers both Judges and the book of Ruth. So we're going to look at our next book, and we're going to begin to see how Israel first organizes itself in the land. And with that said, we'll pause here, let you do your work, and we'll come back with more commentary. everybody welcome back i hope you enjoyed your study of the judges era in the chapter of the book and we're going to do a little bit of a summary of that section and then i'll do a little bit of supplemental teaching so the first uh thing the first part of course is the theme kind of returning to our one-liner that captures the narrative of the story which you would have um, summarized in this way samson and others were chosen as judges to govern the people for 400 rebellious years. So that's our, our theme, a thematic sentence for, for that chapter. 
And then to take a little bit deeper dive and review the sections, the first part of that chapter talked about how the judges are the leaders of Israel. They are the divinely chosen political and military leaders, and they exercise um, a nearly absolute power over Israel, of course, working in cooperation with God, um, but that's how it worked, right? God sovereignly chose judges to govern the land of Israel. And then the second section is the pattern of, rebel of rebellion that continues throughout the narrative by the breaking of God's divine law. We remember uh, how Moses had instructed Israel to do three things. One, destroy all the inhabitants of Canaan. Secondly, avoid intermarriage with the Canaanite people. And thirdly, and most importantly, do not worship the false gods of the Canaanites. Well, we see that Israel fails in all three areas, and this cyclical pattern emerges a pattern that we've talked about before, a pattern that I'll talk about again in just a minute, but specifically the cycle in the book of Judges. It happens seven times in the book, and it has five components. Uh, first, Israel sins against God. Secondly, God disciplines Israel by allowing a foreign nation to conquer them by military conquest. Thirdly, Israel cries out for deliverance. Fourthly, God raises up a judge in Israel to deliver them. And fifth and finally, God frees the people and the land from that oppression. Now, that cycle should sound something like the cycle that we talked about in the creation era that we see established through the proto-covenant with Adam and Eve. That, that cycle has five points that, that are reflective or similar to the five points that we see in the book of Judges. And, and that speaks to the, to the meta-narrative, the big story, the big arc in Scripture, and that is creation fall, judgment, mercy, and new creation. So what we see here in the book of Judges, similarly, is that God is now forming or creating his people Israel. They fall into this cycle of rebellion where God exercises judgment because of their disobedience, but then God also shows mercy by raising up a new judge and this emerging uh, sort of new creation, all of course prefiguring the Christ event. Then the fourth part of this chapter, we see uh, this, this lady, Ruth. Ruth, who presents herself as a model woman in the scripture. Um, significantly, she is not an Israelite. We might talk her about her in terms of being a, a Gentile, generally speaking. And she is listed in the lineage from Abraham to Jesus in Matthew's gospel. So there's some typological commentary that we can make about this person, Ruth. First, her obedience stands in stark contrast to Eve's disobedience. Secondly, her obedience can be compared to that of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And thirdly, she is emblematic of the church as sort of an intersection of Jew and Gentile in the salvation narrative. So what else might we say about this uh, era of the judges? What are some other things that we can observe? Well, Obviously, the book deals with God's faithfulness to his covenant, even in spite of Israel's unfaithfulness. That's one thing that we can observe that really stands out. Secondly, it also evidences the inability of humanity to deliver ourselves from ourselves. Ultimately, we need an outside agent. We need someone to come in from the outside and to deliver us from this cycle of sin that we find ourselves in. Of course, that, that sets up the Christ event that we know in the New Testament. Another thing that we can observe is that the book of Judges, this era, both predicts the coming monarchy and it prepares us for the struggle with it. We see that the book of Judges ends with this idea 
Um, it ends with this sort of refrain, in, this, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In broader history, we can see how uh, the book of Judges, or the era of the Judges, spans this broader sweep from the late Bronze Age in about 1500 BC to the early Iron Age of 1200 BC, for all of you historians out there. And then in the end, we find that the major problem in Israel is not unlike our world today. People follow after false gods. More specifically, though, we might ask, what is it that was so attractive about serving those false gods, especially knowing that the Israelites had just been delivered from 400 years of bondage in Egypt? So think about this just a minute. When the Israelites were in Egypt, they were slaves in a foreign land, under a foreign king, and therefore they were subjected to the oppressions and the immoralities of the false gods that the Egyptians served. It's really, really um, what important for us to wrestle with that reality, knowing that they were set free, knowing that God had guided them, and, and yet they fell into disobedience and, and worship of false gods. I think that provides an important spiritual reality for us to reflect on today in our age. And yet, the equally important thing for us to remember is that in the midst of it all, we see the one true and living God, the God of Abraham, who is faithful to fulfill his covenant promises. And we know him, especially in this narrative, as both a God of justice and a God of mercy. And of course, that's what gives us hope, even in the midst of our own struggle against sin. So stay tuned for next week as we enter into the era of the monarchy and we see the kings of Israel begin to arise. Thank you for your time and God bless you.